Second Samuel chapter 9. I mentioned last time that chapter 8 has this very beautiful picture of David, his successes, his cabinet. And now we come to chapter 9, which begins with the following verse. David inquired, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul with whom I can keep faith? That translation I don't like in particular. Essay Mochesed, demonstrate my loyalty. Ba'avur Yehonatan, on account of Jonathan. We remember that David had taken an oath to Jonathan. More properly, I would say Jonathan imposes an oath on David. There the word <coughs> Chesed appears. Jonathan said to David in chapter 20 of 1 Samuel, I impose on you, by means of an oath, this promise that whatever happens in the future, you will be good to my family. You will show loyalty and kindness to my family. That's an oath that's imposed on David, and an oath that Jonathan reminds David of as David leaves. In chapter 21, Jonathan has shot the arrows, and David comes out, and David is going to flee from Saul, Jonathan has warned him, and David is crying and kissing Jonathan, and Jonathan says, go in peace, but remember the, remember the oath between me and you and our children forever. And now we come to chapter 9, and David asks the question, is anybody still left in the house of Saul? We know, for example, Avner is dead, killed by Yoav. Ishbosheth is dead, killed by two brigands. Saul and his other children are dead. The house of Saul has fallen. And David says, is anybody still alive? And the reader says, what kind of question is that? You made a promise. You made a promise to Jonathan, the man who saved your life, and the man who gave you the kingship, the man who abdicated the throne, and handed you the kingship, and you promised him in God's name. It's an oath. What kind of question is anybody still left? So David proactively has done nothing. Whether he's responsible in a direct way, that's one question. Let's even assume he's not responsible directly. But he certainly hasn't gone out of his way to seek out Jonathan's family. Now he says, I want to do chesed. And here's a simple point about chapter 9. Sad point. Sometimes you can't do chesed. You know why? It's too late. You're asking the question too late. You might have done chesed in the past. There's no way to do chesed. But David is going to do chesed. I made a promise. i got to keep my promise. So the point of chapter 9 is, but there's no way to keep the promise. And when you try to do chesed, when there's no way to do chesed, what you end up doing is not just not doing chesed, but doing a deep lack of chesed. So now, let's see what happens here. The house of Saul had an Eved, a servant, whose name was Tziva. They summoned Tziva to come to David. The king said, Are you Tziva? Your servant. Your servant. 
Is there anybody still left in the house of Saul? Are they all dead or someone still alive? I must do chesed Elohim. Keep faith. I would say faith is pledged before God. There is one son to Jonathan who is lame. We were told earlier that there is one son to Jonathan who would flee, when he flees the battle, he's a baby, he flees the battle with his nursemaid, and he falls, and he can't walk afterwards. He becomes lame. So this is the one that is cited over here by Tziva. There's one, Nechei Raglaim. Now David did not ask if he's lame or not. David had a different question. Is there anybody left to the house of Saul? Siva volunteers the information. Why he volunteers the information is not clear, but if we learn more about Siva, it certainly is not out of a sense of sympathy. There's one son left, he's not, he's not worth much. He's Nechei Raglayim. Here there's a very important point about this one son, whose name is Mephibosheth, who's a very important figure in the book of Samuel. Mephibosheth is the remnant of the house of Saul. He has a kind of literary twin in the book of Samuel, and the literary twin is the son that is born to Pinchas. Pinchas is one of the two corrupt priests who dies in the war against the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 4, and his wife, upon hearing of the death of her husband and her father-in-law, goes into labor prematurely and dies, giving birth. And she names her son Ichabod, Ikavod, the glory has departed. They try to console her, but she can't be consoled, for she says, the ark has been captured, the glory of God has departed. Her son is Ikavod. So Ikavod, the living Ikavod, the house of Eli is cursed, but Ikavod represents in life the demise of, of Shiloh. In the book of Samuel, there are many parallels between Shiloh and Shaul. The house of Shiloh, the priests of Shiloh, and the house of Saul. So what Mephibosheth represents is the demise of the house of Saul. The living Mephibosheth represents the demise of the house of Saul. So this is the son that remains. The king asked Siva, where is he? He's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel. So David sends for him, and they, he comes before the king. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. His lineage is son of Jonathan, son of Saul. We are reminded of the fact that David not only swore to Jonathan, but David in chapter 24 of the first book swears to Saul. I will protect your family. So there's a double oath. And he comes to the king, and he falls down. He bows down to the king. David Is that you? Your servant is here. David Don't be afraid. He says, don't worry, don't be afraid. I am going to do kindness for you. 
on account of your father. I'm going to restore to you the field of your grandfather, Saul's field. And in addition, you will eat bread at my table always. Eating bread at the king's table is a great honor. It's also, as we have seen, a great responsibility. You better always show up there. It's a two-edged sword. He bows down. He says, what, what is your servant? You should show regard for, for a dead dog like me. I'm a worthless person. Why are you being so kind to me? It's a rhetorical question. Now the king calls Tziva. And said, Everything that Saul once had belongs to the son of your master. It's actually the grandson. He's referring to Mephibosheth. And David continues, You shall work the ground for him. You and your children and your servants will work for him. And you'll bring him things. You'll bring him bread and he'll eat it. You bring provisions and he'll eat it. And Mephibosheth, the son of your master, eats bread always at my table. So the very formulation is extremely strange. You will bring him food that he will eat, but he always eats at my table. What is that formulation about? And I think what the book is saying, there's something absurd about what David is doing. You're going to work to bring him food. See, was the servant of the house of Saul. But he never eats the food. Because he eats at my table. Now, it could mean he'll own the food. But it's presented as he will eat it. And now the verse continues. And Siva himself had 15 sons and 20 servants. There's something very sinister over here, actually. Siva is called the Evid of the house of Shaul. He's a servant. He's a slave. But he's a slave who has 20 slaves. He's a slave who has 15 children. 36 people working day and night to feed somebody who will never eat the food because he eats bread at my table all the time. And Siva's answer in verse 11 is very striking. Everything my Lord commands his servant, referring to himself, your servant will do. And Mephibosheth eats at my table as one of the sons of the king. So when he responds to the king, he's saying yes, but he formulates it in terms of he eats at my table. So there's a sense that He's not getting the message, or he gets the message very well. He chooses not to accept the message. And the next verse, um, Mephibosheth ben katanushmo michab. Mephibosheth had one little child. The chomoshav beit tziva avadim Mephibosheth. In the house of tziva are slaves, servants to Mephibosheth. Tziva has one little child. Mephibosheth has one little child. Tziva has 15. Tziva has 20 slaves. They're working for a guy to give him food he'll never eat. So what will David accomplish on this? The last verse is, Mephibosheth sat in Jerusalem, for he eats at the king's table. 
Lame in both feet. The reader doesn't know why we are told at this point, lame in both feet. We'll see this in later stories. But what has David actually accomplished over here? He wants to do chesed. What he will accomplish is very simple. What he will accomplish is to take somebody who apparently lived in peace elsewhere, the house of Amiel, and what he's now accomplished is he's created for this person, Mephibosheth, an enemy, Siva. He's made Siva into an enemy. He's taken everything away from Siva, a powerful man, a man with 20 slaves and 15 children. And he's made an enemy. This is the outcome of the chesed. Not just no chesed. The chesed is absurd. But it's much worse than that, as we will see later. Mephibosheth, innocent Mephibosheth, now has a powerful enemy. The time to do chesed was earlier. At this point, it's too late.